0: Friends, welcome to episode 122 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How we doing, Rob? Hmm.
1: I think I'm okay. Yeah. I think I'm okay. It's been some weird work, but... Uh... You know, not not too bad. I'm I'm, I'm keeping my head above water, a little and
0: able to de stress just a little bit, just a little, just and... a
1: little. Um, looking forward to my game this weekend. Yeah, I do have it this weekend, which will be nice. Um, keeping that going along. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. didn't didn't get anything exciting built for it ahead of time, but I think next the session after this is I think the one that I'm going to probably need to have stuff for
0: now. Like uh, prep wise, how are mm-hmm. you feeling? Um. You seem like you seem like you kind of had like an, an idea where we were going to be going next uh next session so
1: yeah I, I've got a very good idea I think the things that I need to work on more is like my if then chart
0: yeah gotcha. um
1: because I want you guys to feel like you have control over the situation more sure so sure. I'm kind of kind of work off of that a little bit more mm-hmm. instead of having like this event kind lead to this event more like hey if you guys do this then this can happen yeah but yeah. you guys can stop it this way if you want you know, yeah, right kind on. of a thing. So right on, right on. yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking to lighten it up a little bit and just have some fun with you guys and let you guys enjoy this part. Cause it's kind of the closing of this act a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it
0: definitely, definitely feel a drawing to a close. Where mm-hmm, we're going to kind of mm-hmm. confront everybody and just say, all right, look, get your, get your crap together. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> get it in a bag, take it to the crap store. Don't care.
0: I, uh, I have been in uh full scale game prep mode for like the entire week.
1: You are neck deep in uh, Savage Worlds.
0: I just like, I'm neck deep in everything right now man you mm-hmm. should see how like i'm
1: no, no i've seen some of your models i've had a slow week
0: work wise which is um, which and is nice working from home it's nice because then i can just like pop over into the craft studio and just mm-hmm. work like get something going while i'm, while I'm going studio yeah, that's not lovely well, it's to say studio, that's right, so. wonderful i'm glad you have that um so one of our uh one of our friends and uh and listeners uh lent me a <laughs> two giant rubber made tubs full of his Hearst Arts molds. Yeah. Uh and uh like his uh uh shaker tables mm-hmm. and his dehydrator to yep. help dry the pieces out and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um so we spent Saturday, the better part of Saturday, shotgunning breaking bad and watching, uh, and, uh, uh, making her starts molds. Yeah. Watching molds um, dry. <laughs> now those are going on to, uh, the, uh, the city board that yep. I was telling you about building. Yep. Um, and that's kind of coming along. Okay. I definitely okay. need some more molding to do. Sure. Sure. But that's, that's in the works. Um, I have, uh, a handful of minis that I still need to get painted. hmm Um, and I also have some 3D printing that I was doing the other day mm-hmm. that I was showing you mm-hmm. of uh, a little camp set. I, I thought that was pretty cool. There was there's these cute little 3D printed tents that mm-hmm. I did mm-hmm. uh, and a campfire and stuff yep. that. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put them on um, some MDF board okay, uh, as little scatter pieces. Sure. So that we can dynamically make a little campsite and stuff like that. I no, love it. Yeah. I love it. Um but I mean I've I've got I've got so many so many irons in the fire right now. Um yeah. and then uh during some of my other free time then, like you said, I'm hip deep in Savage mm-hmm. Worlds right now. Uh was trying to translate a lot of my, my my game notes over to uh Campfire Blaze. Yes. Which is an online uh note taking and like world building tool. Yep. Kind of along the lines of like a world anvil or a scrivener or something like that. Right. Um uh one of my one of the, the YouTubers I watched uh, suggested it and okay. they were sponsored by it so I decided to give it a check out. Sure, sure. Seems we're working okay so far. Funny how that works. Um and then today uh for anybody who is interested in the Savage World setting, uh I am on oh, right. the uh the unofficial Savage Worlds Discord. Um and if you do a search for it, you can you can pretty easily find it. Uh and they made an announcement today that there was a swag timber uh, uh mm-hmm. bundle going out. Uh, in at drive through RPG, right? And yeah, on drive through RPG, see there. There's a several is really great for having like little micro editions mm-hmm. on on drive through RPG. People just make like a two dollar PDF of some really nice additional rules, right? Um, usually just pretty pretty focused stuff. Like you know, hey, uh, the summon ally, um, mm-hmm. spell or, or power is is really cool, but it's also kind of limited wouldn't it be great if it did a bunch of other things Mm -hmm. and here's an expanded rule set for it we call it summoner circle boom two dollars right you know uh so the swag timber bundle was a um a gigantic bundle of like probably over 50 different Mm -hmm. pieces um a hundred and a hundred and ten dollars worth of uh savage worlds materials all bundled together Mm -hmm. For $55.
1: See, you can't beat that. You
0: can't beat that. And I spent the afternoon going through it. And you know I'm what, just, you know what that reminds
1: me of? Is, like, going to a con and going to, the, like, the Huckster's room and finding the used PDF section. You're just grabbing stuff because it's oh, like 50 yeah. percent off or less yeah you're know, like i need this i need this i don't care if it's tattered on the edge i want it you right. know i can fill up my bookshelf with right. everything that i need yeah that's what that felt like right there yeah
0: no absolutely so absolutely so i'm, I'm well, good for you super good excited for you about that yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah always good to have more
0: rules to figure things out <laughs> so <laughs> well it's it's nice to have more options mm-hmm. um and the great thing about these little micro rule sets is that, uh, you know, they're they're very focused. So it's very easy just to throw them out. They're not integrated with anything. They're very right. modular in nature. Yeah. Um. But uh, they're also focused on things that are pretty common. Um, okay. So you know, if a player says, "You know, hey, uh, we've got a week before we're adventuring. Can I can I work on potions or something?" Right. Yeah. I got rules for that now. Nice. You know. Nice. Uh, like you know, someone says, okay, "Can I can I summon this creature instead of that creature?" Yes, I have rules for that now. You yep. know. Yep. So, it's nice just to have those options and just drop them in as needed. Very cool.
1: Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I like when there are more rules. I remember like the the second edition and three point five where you'd have like the extra books. Like, the Complete Druid or, like, the was a f- the fighter's guide to something or other was, yeah, like, there, the 30.5. Yeah, there was, like, Tome and Blood and Sword yeah. and Fist or something yeah, like that. Yeah, where stuff, you had, you like, know. a bunch of extra stuff. And it was cool that mm-hmm. you had, like, individualized books for each one the of the classes. Prestige classes, classes. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, uh, and that you could use them or not. And that was really kind of cool. I mean, everybody wanted to use them, of course. Mm-hmm. But then well. you get a little extensive into that with, like, Palladium kind of went nuts with that as well. Where you'd end up having, like world books but also like errata books that were all kinds of extra pieces and it was hard to follow I mean Robotech was huge in that Mm -hmm. um and it was, you know, you, you learn, like, you know, 15, 20 pages about Southern Cross, and then you have, like, 40 pages of gear and equipment and, like, new missile rules and things like that. And you're <laughs> like, oh, geez, okay, okay. Right, right. So, yeah, yeah it was always interesting to, to see that kind of stuff and, and, and get the excitement of, like, new stuff out mm-hmm. of it. so
0: And, you know, I, I think that the thing is, though is we haven't even played our first official game no. of Savage Worlds yet. We literally just did our, our uh, Session Zero last month.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, my game is coming up on the 18th of this month. Yeah. So i have still got, even got three weeks out yeah. from it. Two and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't want to oh, like, overwhelm everybody don't with like... do it. do <laughs> it.
1: Hey, I, 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 I know he, you just
0: made your characters, but here's 300 more no, options yeah, for you. Yeah. Yeah. I,
1: I'm literally going to steer clear of those at least for the first couple of sessions. Right, like right. just let, Let's figure out the feel of this game, where we're at. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. speaking of which... Figuring out the, uh, feel, figuring of out of the feel of the game. One of the things that we're talking about specifically this week is uh, location and character-centric games, um, and what it really means to have the difference between that. There's it's when you're storytelling, um, you traditionally have one or the other. There are some stories that kind of do hybrids, yeah. But the first, for the most part, you're you're doing one or the other. Um, and I so. I
0: think this is one of those one of those things where. Uh, as we were kind of coming up show topics, it was mm-hmm. one of those topics where it was like, this is something we do subconsciously. Very much so. That, like, talking about it out loud is a little weird, but, like...
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so when we're talking about character or location-centric games, we're talking about where the story is anchored, how it's anchored, um, you know, w- how the protagonists will be focusing on the story uh, as it moves, um, and kind of the the general scope of uh of how the story loops and that's one of the things that like i get into is like coming back home what does that really mean mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and the other thing to it that we kind of discovered as we were talking more about it is are the events happening to the protagonist? Or around the protagonist.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's you know, and that's is is
1: it an action or a reaction kind of situation?
0: So let's start out before before we start getting into you know, dicing out how these things react to each other and stuff. That we always start out with a definition for what we're talking about. Right, right, right. We're talking about character centric or location centric. So uh, probably the best example I can think of off the top of my head is the difference between. Star Trek the Next Generation. Okay, okay. And Star Trek Deep Space 9. 100% agree. Okay. So, Star Trek the Next Generation is a character-centric adventure. Yes. Okay, because they I mean other than the fact that the, I mean the, the Enterprise itself is a location, but they're on the Enterprise, as much as they're off the Enterprise, mm-hmm. they're they're always dealing with... A, every new week is a a new alien race that they're talking to, trying to bring them into the Federation, or solve some sort of problem, or whatever. Right. Um, Dealing with the Klingons and the Romulans, they're bouncing all over the place, okay? Yeah. The story is following the characters. Right. Okay. The characters are the ones initiating the actions, the characters are the one going out and getting into the action, and stuff like yep. that. It's not really... In most instances, not coming to the Enterprise. Right. And the Enterprise isn't really in and of itself a catalyst for the adventure.
1: Right. On the other hand, and I'll I'll juxtaposition here just a little bit Mm -hmm. um, and stay within Star Trek. um, Star Trek uh, Voyager, I think, was more location with the ship because they were traveling. But the ship was always the center point of the travel.
0: I... I saw you write that down on the show sheet, and I...
1: Cringed at the fact that I brought up Voyager? I mean... No.
0: I mean, look, I'm... Do me wrong. I'm I'm a Trekker, but I'm not... Do you want to come back to this? It's... Voyager's a weird one, because Voyager in a lot of ways is character-centric, but I see exactly where you're going with it, in that it was almost reverse Battlestar Galactica.
1: Very much so. Very Um, much so. But
0: but I, 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 I... in Battlestar Galactica, here's, here's the ship my, was a character. Here's my problem. So. I think I don't think you're you're wrong. I think it's a sticky example. It is a sticky example. Okay, but at so least in Star I'm Trek, trying to keep yeah. it clean. All right, all right. We'll okay. continue then. The DS9. Clean, the clean example is Deep Space 9 Deep
1: Space 9 is definitely the locational. I 100% agree because the 100%
0: the plot wraps around. Deep that. Space Nine. They named yeah. the show after it. It is. Yeah, Babylon 5,
1: nine. same thing. Yeah, exactly. 100%. The ship, if those things didn't exist in the story, the story is over. That's I mean, it. There flat were out.
0: times in the story where the sh- where, where Deep Space Nine wasn't even Deep Space Nine anymore. Mm-mm. The Cardassians and the Dominions swept in and took it over and it became Tarak Noor again, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,. But
1: it, it was still the station. But
0: exactly, but it was the story of the station. So even though the 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 the, uh, the the Federation wasn't even technically in ownership of it anymore, the story remained there. Right, right. And now we get a glimpse of what the bad guys are doing.
1: So, so to step outside of sci-fi, <laughs> if you had been around at any point in the eighties, you know, and and nineties, at any point, you had a lot of sitcoms. Sitcoms were almost always location centric.
0: I've got a more modern example. Okay. Um, The Marvel franchises. Sure. Okay. Especially the ones on Netflix. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Your Avengers? Yep. Character-centric. Exceptionally character-centric. Because they are going out. They are doing things. Correct. Correct. We don't don't know where Iron Man's going, but we're going to follow him, and he's going to get into some fights when he gets there. Yep. Okay. Location-centric? Daredevil. Agreed. It's about the city. It is. He's the devil of Hell's Kitchen. Mm Mm-hmm. It's about four city blocks in New York City. Yeah. um,
1: Batman, very much so as well. Yeah. It's 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 about
0: Gotham City. He is
1: reacting to what's going
0: on in Gotham City. He never leaves Gotham City. Yep. Agreed. I 100% agree. Now, Superman's more character-centric. Yeah. Because, I mean, sure, it takes place in Metropolis, but, like, not everything happens in Metropolis, and he'll fly around all over the world, because he's everything. Correct. He's a Mary Sue.
1: Yeah. No, no. 100% agree with you on that. But, But, I mean, you got shows like Saved by the Bell. Sure. You saw... The school. Did uh-huh. did you go to their houses ever? No. Did Occas- you
0: occasionally? But it was a very rare thing. It was
1: a scene. It was not a house. Like on the other hand, full house. It was the house. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, it was just another room in the house. Was the scene. That yeah. was it. Exactly. I mean, Golden Girls. Most people who saw the Golden Girls could map out the entire place that they had visually in their mind and sketch the whole thing out. Because that's the whole show. Yeah. You know, Love Boat. It was on the boat. It's on the boat. It was on the, the boat. The
0: boat is the location. Yeah. yeah. You know. All right. So, hopefully that paints a decent enough picture of what we're talking about. Um so now that we've got we've got those things outlined, yep, yep. why why is this a thing? Why are we talking about it? Right, right. Um so each one of these storytelling styles kind of has a uh a kind of a right way and a wrong way to go about. I don't see maybe right and wrong or bad words, but
1: like I think that's I think it's a poor way of saying it. I would say that it's you can easily uh, they if, lend
0: themselves to a certain style of storytelling, and if you that stick with them, at
1: it works really well. Yes, if you start drifting from one to the other, it can get very very sticky for yes. the people trying to follow. Yes, yes so great. I think that's the, the 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 key thing that I came out of this is that. Once you recognize you're doing one, do one well within that story. Change for your next story. No worries about that. Yeah, yeah. But if you can recognize
0: what you're doing and you can excel at that one, do it. And to be fair, some games really excel at doing one or the other. Um, Oh, I agree. I mean, thinking these over... uh, You're like, talking about game systems in game general. Systems, yes. yeah, okay. yes. uh, game systems, okay. Yes, game systems. Some some game systems do these exceptionally well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, for instance, uh, we'll start talking about uh, character-centric storytelling. I think that's a great place to start. Uh, so the it's I would say this is probably the the, the more typical style of storytelling. Um in that you've got you're cringing I No, think. no, I'm
1: thinking. My I'm thinking keep going, keep okay, going. Okay, okay, okay. I'm gonna Sorry. I'm gonna switch up when we get to location. He's keep making going. Kitty Cat stinky faces. No, no, doing. not at all. My brain just <laughs> immediately went to hmm
0: um so. I I would say it's more usual for and, and the reason I say that is because uh most gaming just because of market share is like D and D, that style game. Okay? sure And D and D excels at character driven stories. Okay, because there's a presupposition um, in the uh, within the rule system, within how the game is structured mm-hmm. and the style of play that it encourages um, to. And, and in fact, like if you look at the modules and stuff like that that they sell, like, you know, Lost Minds of of the Fland I think that was great. Um, uh, yeah, Princess of the Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Rime of the mm-hmm. Um all of these are like going out into the world and having adventures. Mm-hmm. And usually it's go from location to next location yep. to next location yep. to next location. Um, and you may be following a, a, a plot, but the story is with the characters, not with the locations you're, stop, you're stopping at. Right, right. Um, and it happens because the characters are dynamic and they either create, or seek dynamic situations that they involve themselves in.
1: Agreed. And it, it gives them the freedom to do what they want. Exactly. And that's the thing is, is that I mean it's freedom in quotes. Mm -hmm. I always do air quotes around freedom because as a storyteller, you're really directing things. Let's be honest. Um, but you you have that ability to just keep right on moving, yeah, sure there's there I mean, if the players want to move, they can transient to the next location, just keep right on going, and your story
0: can follow them, yeah, and and they'll find some adventure when they get there, yep, yep, and because, it's because they're the protagonists,
1: but it's about the journey, mm-hmm. it's about each one of these steps. I mean, you level up by going through these journeys,
0: I would say, um character centric stories too oftentimes uh are. Those stories where, like, the world doesn't move outside of their scope of vision. Uh, if you know what I'm saying, like, uh, the 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 story follows the players mm-hmm. rather than the world itself doing things that the players are getting involved. Yes. In. Yes. Um. And so it's, it's almost like the world ceases to exist outside of whatever the players have gotten their noses into this. Yes. Time. Yes. Um, it
1: is, it is, it, it is the quintessential uh, personal RPG. Yeah. Where, oh, I need to go take care of X but I'd really like to go do this quest. I'm going to go do that quest. And while that's going on, this person is literally sitting there doing nothing that waiting really for you. really bothers me
0: in Skyrim because they're like, Alduin is going to devour the world. We have to go urgently to defeat these dragons. And I'm like, right, but there's bandits in this mine over here. And they I have an ore. Yeah.
1: I'm, I'm going to go do that for like a week and make a new blade. And then I'll be back, and it'll be just as critical as it was.
0: Oh, but then I found this other thing, so I'm going to yeah. go to this other town, and I'm going to yeah. turn that in there. I may
1: get married along the way. Right. You know? <laughs> I'm going to build a house yeah. by a lake.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: and uh, and take care of two dragons while I'm at it, you yeah. know, uh, and become a herald. Oh, and I'm also part of the Sigic Order.
0: Oh, now that I'm back, uh, right. where, where did we leave off? Right. The world is in peril. That's, that's right. That's right. World in peril. Gotcha. Alduin, devour the world. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. Yep. Nope. That is We're very character-centric.
1: <laughs> it is. You, you could almost say that character-centric centric, centric, centric stories tend to have an ego for the characters Well, they they, they do.
0: They do. I mean, I, I'm thinking like of your classic dungeon crawl, right? Oh, yeah. Like, what is that dungeon doing unless it's being delved into by the party? Nothing. Nothing. It's just sitting there being filled with treasure and goblins. Yeah. Yeah, you know? that's fair. So where does the adventure come from the adventure comes from a group of dynamic characters choosing to do something dynamic and they they alter a situation and from then from from there you get adventure yeah um probably a good example of this in cinema is Lord of the Rings okay yeah no I agree I agree because uh, I mean Frodo's journey. Um, we, we follow Frodo's journey and, you know, a handful of other characters too, sure. but mostly it's Frodo's journey with the ring from the Shire to Bree to Rivendell through Moria, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all yeah. the way to Mount Doom. Um, and it's it's his journey that we're following. Like right. It doesn't matter where Frodo is. That's where the story is. Yeah. Um, and if you think about it too, like the locations he gets into along the way almost don't matter. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're catalysts for those for those moments to be exciting. To get
1: some experience.
0: Right. Sure. Like, to get some experience, yeah. yeah. Uh, except for when, uh, you know, Gandalf uh, decides to drag the Belrog off with him so he can solo it and get all the experience for it.
1: I totally agree. I totally agree on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, you have one character who died because he left the game, mm-hmm. you know, which I guess kind of pissed off his dad in game (laughs) and there was some backstory there but you know i would i would say that it is uh that the world basically paused until they showed up at each one of those events yeah you know it was just happenstance that just as they arrive at minas tirith it gets attacked
0: Mm -hmm. what was going on in moria when before they got there yeah nothing nothing goblins just oh. chilling that's
1: right that's right you know it, and and it's that kind of crap that you're like this is character-centric storytelling
0: yeah well, then there's nothing
1: wrong with that there's nothing wrong no with no, that. no
0: no 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 absolutely nothing wrong with that yeah. because because honestly what more does there need to be right you've got a bunch of characters you want to take them on an adventure sure do it yeah it's great wherever they go they're getting into some sort of an adventure what does it matter what happens yeah and and in all honesty
1: their backstory is barely getting integrated I mean, realistically, you're getting little shouts from each one of the players as things go on, and it isn't until they're like, "Hey, uh, you know, I technically have the king's blood in me. Uh, can we do something with my backstory? Let me see. Uh, yeah, yeah, your family had some, had an oath." to keep with these bandits who did some work for them in the past you you might be able to go handle that
0: yeah no and and <laughs> but and that's the thing that's that's kind of where you do integrate the backstory sort of stuff is um into uh is by giving them yet another catalyst to go out and adventure yeah uh, i think a great example of this is uh for for any critical role fans out there is the briarwood art <clears throat> from season one okay um, Teach me. I didn't see it. Okay, so Percival Frederick Stein von Muszkowalski Droro the Third um, is one of the characters played by I'm and sorry, Jaffe I am sorry, we're
1: out of time now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, Percy yeah. is one of the characters. Thank you. Is, Thank is, you. is played by Talles and Jaffe. Um, His backstory is essentially that um, a uh, he he's a noble from a town called Whitestone. Sure. And uh, at one point, his family made some sort of a deal with these uh, with this other noble family called the Briarwoods. And, um, at, they, they came to dinner one night and then just murdered everybody. And, uh, the only people he knows got away was himself, obviously, cause he's still alive. And he, he saw his sister get away. Okay. But doesn't know what happened to her. Right. Um, everybody else he can pretty much confirm is dead. Okay. And that's it. That's the backstory he handed Matthew Mercer. Right. Matthew then, um just real chill out of nowhere and minor spoilers for season 1 right around episode 30ish or so sure um uh has them in the capital city of Iman, and they're talking to the sovereign of Iman, cuz they're big you're they're, they're 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 big important people right they're big adventurers who've done a lot of good things for the throne big damn heroes and uh he says, "Oh yeah, you know we're having some some important people over tonight. This is this noble from here, and this is my advisor, and this is this noble from here, and here's Lord and Lady Briarwood, and 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 you just watch Percy just go white, and uh he so you you get this backstory. He's like, he's like, oh yeah, they they kill my entire family, and of course, entire the entire party's like, what do you, you how do we take care start of? They're cracking problem? their knuckles. Yeah. They're like, all right, who do you who needs to kill, starting with them." Um, well, they end up going back to Whitestone. Right. And finding out that uh, Lord Briarwood, again, massive spoilers, sorry, um, is a vampire. Okay. And Lady Briarwood is a uh, really powerful necromancer. Okay. And they are madly in love. Oh, that's very sweet of them. I know. And they have basically turned Whitestone into a mini Ravenloft theme park. Uh, and are trying to work on some, like, real hardcore ritual magic and some temple underneath Whitestone Castle. And what ensues is them, again, character-centric story, traveling out from Amon, which is kind of their home base, to Whitestone, which is a new location for them, having all sorts of adventures and misadventures there and such like that. Right. And it's it's all because of Percy's backstory. Well, I think that's great. I, th- I think
1: that's a great way of putting it. Um, but again, I think kind of, to simplify character centric does not necessarily mean forced character backgrounds. Sure. And in fact, a lot of times it doesn't even come out. Yeah.
0: It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's
1: up to the players to kind of insert them. And I mean, if the, if the storyteller decides to take one of those players and make them the centerpiece, they can. And, and you move on from there. The difference comes in when you get to location centric and yeah. it's, it is, I wouldn't say a vast difference, but it is a notable difference. It's a
0: hu- it's a, it's a very noticeable difference and honestly, it's one of my favorite ways of doing storytelling.
1: Yeah, it's just hard
0: in RPGs. It um is- it de- it depends on the game.
1: I agree 100% with you, but it's hard because we are we are born to make character-centric games. We were taught to make character-centric games.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think the prevalence of D&D in gaming culture mm-hmm. does a lot of damage to our ability to conceive of location-centric storytelling. Um, there are several game systems, though, that have it actually built directly into Correct. the system. Yep. Urban Shadows is huge. Well. City
1: of Mist is huge on that.
0: Uh, City of Mist, I mean, it is
1: the city right that's the whole thing literally it's in the name <laughs> urban <laughs> uh, shadows we're kind of talking about urb- what's going- urban
0: shadows we famously talked about that uh yep. that's uh got a whole phase of character creation where you get together and discuss what the city is going mm-hmm. to be
1: and where you live in it and Dresden
0: files rpg mm-hmm. uh running off the fate system is the exact same way yeah uh shadow run i would say is very location centric i think it 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 definitely pushes itself to be um, at least,
1: Core Shadowrun takes mm-hmm. place in Seattle. Yeah, it's it, it, and again, you you move around the city of Seattle, you can, but it it makes it still that there's still a, a sense of a specific location. You know where everything is mm-hmm. in the city. You have a
0: very good thing, uh, a very good design of it. Um, Vampire: The Masquerade, uh, and the World of Darkness uh, Chronicles: of Darkness games. No, see, you're mm-hmm. cringing your face I at mean, me, I, but. I, but think of, how, think of, at least from Vampire. Okay, mm-hmm. no, other other game systems, maybe not. Maybe Mage, sure, sure. Changelings, are that you'll go out different places. Sure. But Vampire is very city-centric. No, I agree 100%. Very urban. Your Prince, yep. and your Primogen, yep. and your Elysium, they're all
1: tied to the city. No, and that's what I was, my face was, I remember how many storytellers that I worked with tried to make it character-centric. And it would—it felt like a struggle every time yeah. that you played that game because you were constantly giving, giving so much more information, and it's like hard. It just makes it very hard to follow because the game is designed to be location centric. Yeah. So th- that's the the difference is that um, with location centric, you rarely leave the designated area. Yeah. I mean, effectively, um, Stardew Valley is a location centric game. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're, you adventure within the location. You know everybody in the Again, town. It's, it's on the
0: it's on the label. Yep, you know?
1: yep. I, I get, which helps one hundred percent with defining that and keeping that in your head. I mean, sometimes it's something even smaller than that, mm-hmm. where it's just a couple. Of things. Like I always go back to the school as a great analogy because yeah. it's a very simple way of doing a location center and keeping things very concise. But a small town is the same thing. A city is the same thing. I mean, never winter. Yeah, sure. Why not? Boulder's gate. Done. You've got a whole bunch of stuff you can do in that darn city. Absolutely. Um, so it, it makes it very easy for you to to stay within a specific location um, and get to know it very well. And it's it's that difference that the story is about the location and the characters take part in that story. Yes. That's the difference there. They're reacting effectively to what's going on around them There's and it's alive.
0: already stuff happening there and the protagonists happen to be there and to be involved in correct, it. Correct, correct. And it would happen, it, may, it would probably happen a lot differently without yeah. the without oh, protagonist involvement, yeah. but kind of like we talked about, well, what is that dungeon doing if it's mm-hmm. not being delved by the adventurers? Yep. Nothing, it's sitting there full of treasure and goblins. Well, what is the city doing if the adventurers aren't there? Right. Actually, a whole lot, because this guy's doing this, and this mm-hmm. guy's doing that, and there's a whole cult of people doing this, you know? Right, and I think that's that's the key, is that
1: you can very easily take a location-centric game and make it feel very personal and tie it very tightly to your players. Whether they're coming into the city for the first time or someone's lived there all their life, there are people, there are names. You're, You're not having to come up with hundreds of NPC names for your core people as they shift through multiple areas and worlds and islands and transverse things. It's all happening. Bob the Barber is still Bob the Barber until he dies. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, and and you you have a blacksmith. I mean, it it harkens itself back to games like Diablo. And where you have a central hub that you return to Every time you're done with your little questy stuff. Yeah. And, and you do your blacksmith thing. Yep. and
0: you got your little, you got Deckard Cain there. Yep. And you've got, you know, and, and it you, changes. You learn their names. Yeah. You learn their little stories and stuff like that even if you never listen to their backstories, you at least know their their their. uh, you know, you know, every time you click on Hrotli he's going to say, "Greeting." Yes, exactly. I I, mean, I remember that all these years later yep, Greetings. Yep, yep. I can still just hear his voice. And that
1: that's the kind of feel that you have is that your your players then get invested with hearing and seeing these common individuals. Mm-hmm. Um there's a lot of T V shows that do this that
0: create a, a home environment. I always come keep keep coming back to Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. Quark's Bar. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what a great iconic location mm-hmm. that was, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually have a question in the live chat that okay. I think I, i'm I'm wondering if this was a throwaway question, but it is a lot more poignant than I think you thought it was. Okay. What about cheers? Was it really about the bar? So the, the I think the question you're really asking there is, are the characters important? In a location-centric story. Because we're doing a lot of talking about how it's, oh, it's the location's story. But yes, it actually really super is. Because mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: It's, it's through your interactions with the location that is going to expose who your characters are. Yes. The location itself is the crucible by which your characters will be tempered. Yep. Um and all of their all of their their true attributes their stories are going to get filtered out through that. Yeah.
1: Through that story. And I think a, a poignant point to prove that Cheers was location centric was the last episode of the end of the show. One of the last things one of the characters does is go over and adjust a picture. And the picture on the was put on the wall and was just cocked off slightly because it was to represent one of the dead actors one of the actors who had passed oh, and uh, I believe so yeah and what you what you realize is that the set wrapped around those characters around those actors was there to promote story mm-hmm so the location was just as much there. I mean, things came into the location, things left the location. Maybe the location was being sold to somebody else and that was changing everything. Yeah. Was Cheers going to get a different name? You know, "Oh my gosh, it's it's crazy winter outside and we're all trapped at Cheers." Yeah. I mean, how how can you not have that location
0: be as iconically locked in as anything else? So the follow-up question is why did that specific bar matter? Um, it mattered because that's where all of the characters, all of our protagonists in this story had a common ground. Correct. It
1: was a very small set.
0: I mean, yeah. And 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 scene setup. They were, they were all the, I mean, it was very, yeah, like very, very small. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were, they were the characters that gave that story definition. Without a doubt. Okay. I mean, they are the protagonists. Um, so it's still it's still like their story. I mean, I I guess right. I guess what I'm trying to get across is like the story is about the location, but the location isn't the story. Yes. You know. It's just where the story takes place and it's where the story's anchored. Correct. Without Cheers as a bar, without Deep Space 9 as a space station, Mm-hmm. Those characters would not have gotten together, had the infer- interactions that they did, mm-hmm. told the stories that they did, and had the relationships that they did. Correct. Now, I will I
1: will step one, one degree away from Cheers and say that Seinfeld is a location-centric story. Now, granted, the locations were scene, 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 but it was the restaurant, his apartment. Yeah. You know, and very rarely was there quests outside of that. But it was what was going on in those moments.
0: I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say you're correct that it's location centric. But it was still wrapped around the characters. But I think the location was the city. Correct. Uh was New York right? I believe so, yeah, I want to say it was New York because I want to say that uh Costanza worked for one of the one of the New York or the mm-hmm. Mets or something like that right um but but yeah, no, I mean you're you're absolutely correct, you know um it's it's a little difficult to describe that that mm-hmm. it, that it is it's where the story is anchored, but not the location isn't the story, correct. It just happens to be the catalyst for the story that all the characters in that location are telling together collectively. Correct. Um, You know, Deep Space Nine uh, is is important because it is the point of conflict between the Federation, the Bajorans, the Cardassians, and then later the Dominion. Right. Now, I'm going to put this out there. One of the things that
1: becomes very easy to see once you take a you you step back to the 5000 foot view of everything that's location centric is that location centric stories tend to be survivorships you are surviving something yeah. it doesn't have to be harsh but if you find that all of your people are in a
0: location surviving that in that location. Well, we we can, yeah we can we can back that off less less surviving and more just shared common common experience. But it's
1: but if you if you it it, it is a typical trope that comes out of location sure, centrics. Sure. Um, is that survivorship? Aliens is a survivorship mm-hmm. on a specific location.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, uh, first the first the the, the Sulaco mm-hmm. was it Sulaco? Uh, no. Uh, keep going. Uh, Regardless. The, the Nostromo was the second. Correct, was, was correct, yeah, correct. But but anyway, so yeah, it was. Um, I want to say I think it was the Sulaco. It'll get clarified um,
1: very momentarily in our, our uh, in, church, the, in uh, the first the one, and
0: then it was LV-426 on the yep. second one. Yep. Um. Yeah. Very location
1: centric. So, but you'll find that that's a common trope. Yeah. For location centric. So if so, if you're if you find a survivor type of thi- situation, most likely it's going to be location centric. Yeah. Um. Granted, you have things that aren't location centric. I mean, um. Your your left for dead kind of situations where there there's travel involved or um uh uh, what was the other big video game that just came out um series Jesus I'm lost um but any of the zombie series are now becoming more character centric than location centric Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um back for blood uh yes thank you yeah um so uh but you don't think but like one of your favorites. In Raccoon City, or not Raccoon City, but, uh, in Silent Hill. Mm-hmm. Silent Hill. Yeah. There you go.
0: Again, it's, it's on the tin. But it, it fits within that
1: framework. I'm not saying it always is, but that's a good way to identify something that might be location-centric, and you can you mm. e- usually find that in direction.
0: Yeah, at least, at least thinking of Silent Hill, honestly, most, the, the, the first three Silent Hill, um, games, I'm actually <laughs> going to say those are character-centric, uh, I'm, I'm actually going to say they're, they're character centric because it's it's more about the characters and what they're going through and what they bring to the story than anything that's the. This... City has going on. It's, True, it, the, the, but again, again this s- is the, that's s- that thing about a sticky. As, but is a but sticky that's what we're example. saying is that there's yeah. a drift from
1: both character centric and there's a drift from location centric. Mm-hmm. You can be exceptionally location centric, where literally the players are just surviving or are are following what and reacting to right, the plot. Right. That is definitely the far extreme edge of that. The other end of it is it's a location where the characters are their stories are coming together. To blend, and I think that's what city—not city, not city of mist. Uh, yeah, city of mist tends to do more. Mm-hmm. So, is that all of these stories are blending within the city? So the players are really bringing in the plot and the heartbeat of what's going on, mm-hmm. uh, but it's still location centric because they're not traveling to handle those situations.
0: I almost, I almost feel like the the, the quickest way to tell if you've got a location or, or character centric story mm-hmm. is to do the sexy lamp test. Yeah, no, that's definitely a thing. Um it, but but do the sexy lamp test and and for for those of you not familiar it's it's the idea of um can you replace a character with a sexy lamp? Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't change the story at all, like that's that's a that's a bad thing. They failed the sexy lamp test. Yeah. Um but I almost feel like if you could do that with a location. Mhm. You know. Uh like like a a a I don't know. Sexy parking lot test or something, you know? <laughs> could could this story take place literally anywhere as opposed to where it's taking place?
1: Right. Could it just move instantaneously? You know, Look, like
0: I mentioned the Mines of Moria earlier. Right, right. Could that have just been a cave with some goblins in it? Did it have to be Moria? Could have been a city with goblins in it? Could have been a city with goblins in it? Sure. You know. Was it important that it was Moria when that scene happened? No. No. Nah. Really? They I were mean, just traveling. I, I'm sure there's a bunch of Tolkien nerds out there, like you know, uh, soiling themselves that that that, that with more with all the lore and stuff of like that. And look, all the lore is very important. Don't get me wrong. I'm not dumping on Lord of the Rings. Right. I'm just saying is that when you think of the what place that took in the in, in the story of uh, they go into a location, they get jumped by a bunch of goblins. Suddenly there's a Balrog, and they lose um, uh, One Gandalf. Of the pl- and the rest of them get out alive. Yeah. That's the that function like that takes place in the story is to pretty... remove Gandalf from it and give everybody a good harrowing right. before they move on with their with their adventure. Could that have happened anywhere other than Moria? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I completely mm-hmm. agree. And and that's that's where we're kind of blending here. So when we're talking about uh
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna drop Nakatomi Tower because I want to, Nox says in the live chat. I, I'm
1: sorry, Overwatch just went to go get himself a sexy lamp. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So when you're talking about um the location, and we're talking about location centric, this is where your players can get vetted and or not vetted, but uh, can get invested in the story right off the bat. Yes. Because at that point now you can create these these sub locations that
0: are not necessarily plot centric for you but they're going to be affected by the plot. Oh, and this is my favorite thing to do in location-based storytelling yep. is coming up with the fun little locations that are going to be familiar yeah. scenes for everybody. Yep,
1: the, the bar that they go to hang out at, mm-hmm. uh, a, a common merchant that has the things that they need and they tend to go back to, um, you know, a, a thieves' den who's in the area, yeah. and, and and maybe the inn to that thieves' den that they always go back to. You know, that kind of stuff definitely helps the players re come back to the same names again and uh-huh. again and again that aren't just villains. Yeah. You know, if you can have reoccurring NPCs who are always there for them, that's great. I mean, Final Fantasy did that with some of its stuff and people love that crap. When Sid showed up in Final Fantasy, whatever version you're currently playing in, you were happy to yeah. see Sid again. Yeah, you know, that absolutely. kind of a thing. You know, uh anytime that you can bring back people, I think it adds a certain level of enjoyment. And when they die or removed. Mhm. It's serious. Yeah. It's it's a moment.
0: Absolutely. So, and I think um, uh, changes to those NPCs because because they those, those NPCs become familiar, they become part of the characters, you know, home structure, you know? Yep. That drinking establishment, that common merchant that they always go to for their adventuring supplies, you know. Um, all these all these people they they can be great indicators of changes mm-hmm. in the story. Yep, yep. And so you don't have to emotionally affect your characters if you just emotionally affect your npcs and they go to visit that npc yeah they're like oh god what happened you know yeah they like hey hey bob we uh we're we're back at your merchant your your little apothecary store here we're gonna go out on another adventure you got any more of those healing potions you always have in stock actually no what what, what do you mean no you yeah. always have them in stock in fact you said you get more because you know we buy them yeah i know i did get more but then there's a war going on out there so like some government agents came in and they bought up all of my stock they said they needed it for the war supplies
1: yep yep
0: i'm i'm fresh out yeah I mean, I made some good money, but, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do for the rest of the week.
1: Yeah, the other one that always got to me is it's like, okay, so the troll comes in and attacks town, you know, and and there's a big fight in town, and everybody gets, you know, okay, everything's all right. And you're like, okay, well, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna go do this, and, like, well, I'm definitely gonna have to go get my armor fixed. You show up at the armory, there's a hole in the roof.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: There's stuff. Piled inside the building, <gasps> and names start getting dropped. Oh my God! Where's Golov? Where's his daughter, Orsi? You know, and yeah. and now you're concerned. Yeah, you know now now the players are concerned about uncovering rubble for a few hours to see if they're okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's the kind of stuff that you want. You want that that investment, that ownership.
0: Yeah, you know, going going back to like Deep Space Nine. Yep. Um, like I said, Quark's bar was probably my favorite location, just simply yep. because you you could always use him as a barometer for what was going. He was all, like like the pulse of Deep Space Nine. Very you much know? so. Very much and, so. And, you know, you'd, you'd see him, you know, like all this turmoil and the, the Federation soldiers are going all over the place because they think they're going to get invaded by, by the Cardassians and they can't repel their attack. They're going to take the station over. And there's Quark, mildly annoyed and unpacking a bunch of crates. And they're like, Quark, what are you doing? You've got to get out of here. You've got to evacuate. He's like, first off, this is my bar. I'm not leaving it. Right. Second off, I got to unpack all these bottles of canard because that's what the Cardassians drink. Right. I've got to take down all this other crap and replace it with what they're gonna drink. I'm not. I'm gonna be able to stock any of this. What is this root beer stuff you guys drink? It's awful, dreadful. Glad to get it out of here. (laughs) Exactly. I'm gonna go put it back in the freezer and hope to God it dies. Right. (laughs) You know? you know, but using him kind of as a barometer, no, for like one hundred percent that that change of the wind and it's 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 really great to be able to do that with your nPCs
1: yep, 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 so when we start talking then about hybriding where you do- bl- you blend from one to the next, yeah, you know where you've got stories that are kind of a bleed of both of those, one of the big things you kind of want to build into that is the hub where your adventures return to some place, even if that hub moves and that's a common theme in a lot of the Diablo like games Mm -hmm. where this is your hub for levels one through 10. And this is your hub from 10 to 20. And this is your hub, you know, or this act is in this hub and this act is in this hub and you shift that way. But meta wise, your, your players know that they've now moved to a new hub Mm -hmm. and this is the new hub that they're going to be established in and they build up And work on that. It's not like they don't have access to the old one, but this is the new base camp, if you will. But
0: this is where the story is now. Correct. And we're going to go out, we're going to go adventuring, but we're always going to come back to the location. So we've got a spurts of a character-centric story Mm -hmm. where we go out into the world, we adventure, we delve dungeons, whatever, Mm -hmm. and then we come back to the hub where the location is. Yeah,
1: where things have shifted and
0: changed maybe a little to kind of accommodate what happened and maybe the adventures you go out on are what changes the location yeah and then you maybe move on to a new location um it's actually something i'm doing in my own personal game yep very Um, much so where i started you guys out in anvil Mm -hmm. i established a little bit of what anvil was like Mm -hmm. and whatnot uh and then i was like okay uh there is a bandit threat and it's not an anvil it's out in the colovian highlands yep go get them boys Yep, yep uh And you did you went out you did that although that was its own kind of location Mm -hmm. and then we brought it back to Anvil. Yep. You know Um, where it's old and familiar what this reminds me a lot of you mentioned Diablo. Yeah. Uh, I'm going right back to Dark Souls. Okay. Okay. Um.
1: I know not everybody's a Dark Souls person, but go yeah. for it. Yeah, uh,
0: so especially Dark Souls one and or, sorry, sorry, Dark, uh, Dark Souls two and three. Mm-hmm. Um, in Dark Souls two, you had Majula, mm-hmm. and in Dark Souls three, you had Firelink Shrine. Yep, um, and uh, these were essentially your hubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of different places you. Could it's where get you resurrected when you died, right? No, you resurrected whatever uh, bonfire you stayed at last. Oh, okay, last. okay, okay. Um, and that's kind of the juxtaposition. Okay. Um, is that This is where the Firekeeper is. Okay. So, through the Firekeeper, you do all your leveling up. Oh, okay. Okay, Okay. so if you're going to increase your stats... Sure. uh, ...spend your experience points, essentially. Yep, yep, yep. Um, If you're going to improve your weapons... Mm -hmm. ...there's also a merchant there that will sell you some of your basic supplies and stuff like that. Okay. Um, If you're going to improve your Estus Flask, which is your healing potion, basically... Sure. um, ...that's uh, where you're going to do that and stuff like that, all back at those hubs.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And then from there... You go out adventuring into whatever dark, evil frontier mm-hmm. that you're that you're going to go on. Okay. Um, and then when you need anything, when you need that rest and refit, yeah. when you need to level up, you need to improve your weapon, you found some interesting things out there and you want to do something about it, you come back to the hub where the firekeeper is, where the blacksmith is, where the merchant is, mm-hmm. you know. Um, And that's very much in opposition to, like, Dark Souls 1, where you didn't even get the ability to teleport until halfway through the game. Yeah. But at the same time, you didn't need a firekeeper to level up. You could do it in any bonfire. And so, in Dark Souls 1, it was very character-centric, because the story was wherever the hell you were. Your home was whatever bonfire you were resting at there in the world. You didn't have anywhere to come back to. Firelink Shrine was a... A central location in Dark Souls one, mm-hmm. it was definitely where you you know kind of the middle point of everything, mm-hmm. but it it was not a hub, right, right in, okay. in the proper sense.
1: Okay, okay, all right, I get you, I get
0: you. So, uh,
1: so in my opinion, as we're going as we were going through this and 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 thinking about things, uh, we did hit the reason why I was making my faces early on about Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> yeah. being a character centric, um he squints and he kind of scrunches up his mouth a little bit yeah yeah um but really what it comes down to in my head is like i think og uh dungeons and dragons was the uh was the problem of the dungeon was the dungeon was a location but yeah. really it was just the adventure once you were done with it you you left it
0: Dungeon didn't matter. That's right. Dungeon could, ceased could, to exist when you left it, and or, or, did not exist before you got there. Correct,
1: and that's—I think—that's the part that really drives the fact that that is character-centric. Um, and I think that if you if you take some of this to heart, try and build yourself into your stories uh, something that is location-centric mm-hmm. with aspects of character-centricity to it. Meaning, give your players some place to call home and to make home and feel relatively safe in and and have events occur at. And I say relatively safe in the sense that they are creating adventures within that small area. Yeah. And yeah. it is it is evolving and changing.
0: That's not to say nothing bad can ever happen there.
1: Right. That, but what yeah.
0: you want what you want is a decent enough balance that you that they can feel safe there. They can feel like it's home. Mm-hmm. They can feel like it's a place that they can they can set up in invest in discover have, a little bit have friends in yep and give them a couple locations where they also feel like a home their drinking mm-hmm. hole their favorite merchant their yep. whatever yep and if it's and the, and the reason i say this is because if it's threatened they will protect it they will protect but it. they They'll have, have to feel like it's home They'll first be that much more invested in it if they do feel that way and that'll invest
1: them in your story yeah and then you now you have permanent hooks. You have individuals there who will hand them their hooks, mm-hmm. and they're going to be invested.
0: And it's it's the difference. It's the the difference then between there are goblins threatening townspeople. Oh, okay, I get my sword. And there are threatened. There are, there are goblins threatening Bob's bar. Oh, hell no! Exactly, I get my sword. Exactly, you know?
1: exactly, exactly.
0: I. That's where I drink my stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's where I tell you I go to get drunk. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, it is. <laughs> Why does this feel like we're moving into Ryan's territory?
0: Yeah, that's right. the name of the my movie. movie. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I want to hit this Discord question because I think it'll it'll open up a little bit more discussion as we're doing it. Yeah, but, I agree. Um, so Knox asked a really a couple really good questions. Um, some of which we've already highlighted. Um, I can see how certain locations might possess a specific feeling or meaning for this general population of the world that resides in, but without a personal meaning or purpose for the players, what good
0: is it? That's very true. Uh, simply, none. It isn't. If you If you have no player investment in it, Literally none. Right. So getting a hook is sometimes hard for those very
1: reasons. Sure. Like, yeah, if you drop your players into a place as their first location and say, like, okay, uh, you're here because you were all hired for various ways uh, by this clerical order to go clear out this tomb. Because bad things are happening there, and they don't want the bodies of the other old clerics to be, you know, sure. screwed up.
0: Yada, yada, yada. Blah, blah, blah. I'm hired. Right. What you've just told me is this is a job. I exactly. don't care. Exactly. And it's up to
1: you to tell me who hired you to be here. You're, you're hooked to it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a great start point, but really doesn't give you any investment. So I agree. Right. Now, um, on the
0: other hand, if I'm like rob your character is a cleric mm-hmm. uh this tomb is actually dedicated to your god is yep. where a lot of your clergy is laid to rest uh specifically uh the master of your master mm-hmm. um the person who taught taught you all your stuff about your clerical stuff is buried here yeah so now it has meaning but it's not quite an investment it just has meaning now it has a, a little more meaning I would right. say yeah
1: yeah whereas this it can very much change once someone you know is sending you yeah exactly um how can you make sure that you're not just giving your players pointless fun facts instead of tools and uh, instead of tools and means to make an impactful narrative choice and experience? So I think the key there really is is that uh, fun facts are great, but fun facts are different when they come from an impacting or an invested NPC. So for instance, if it's been like, Three sessions that they've been going to this pub, mm-hmm. and you know, returning to it, and the pub guy, you know, the 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 owner has been really cool to them, or kind of been a jerk at times, or whatever. And then finally, like late one night, it's a quiet night, it's like a Wednesday or whatever, and they're all in there after their adventure, and he he buys them around, you know, and they're like, he bought us around. Why did he buy us around? You know, kind of a thing, mm-hmm. and comes out and like talks with them about his days and what he used to do and. If he hadn't taken that arrow to the knee, he may have finished that last uh, quest that he was planning on going on. And so he tells them about this cave. So now the players are invested, and they're learning about history of what's going on out in the world. Now, this may be a quest that they could take, or it could be just a piece of information about something greater that's happened. They find out he took an arrow to a knee in a war that happened recently, and that's Mm -hmm. why he ended up settling here. Okay, that's some history, some lore, but they're already invested in this guy.
0: Yeah. So yeah. they're accepting this information at a different level. I think I, – and I think that's the key thing is mm-hmm. is is that it's it's a relationship you're curating mm-hmm. and not just – like you're not going to just give investment. Right. You know, I think and I think that's really what the, what the point of this whole thing comes down to. Right. I can't just give a five-minute synopsis to Rob mm-hmm. about a description on something and have him be invested in a thing. Agreed. Five minutes is information. Mm-hmm. Five or six game sessions of mm. him going and interacting with this NPC, yep. him finding out this NPC's backstory, yep. fi- ask, getting to the point where he's asking about, hey, how's your daughter? She uh, gotten that blacksmith apprenticeship yet? You were saying last yeah. time. Yeah. Oh yeah, she did. Yeah, you know, that's investment. Yeah. Now when he's no longer the barkeep at the bar, right? And he's, uh, you know, uh, um. You know, he's Bob, the barkeep at the foc'sle, the bar that you always go to. And you always sit in that corner seat. Mm -hmm. um, You know, even though it squeaks a little, that's your seat. The squeaky seat is yours. Yep. You know, and you once punched a man to get it back. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That's investment. So now when Bob, the bartender at the foc'sle, comes over to your squeaky barstool and Mm -hmm. says... Ah, you know, there was this one adventure I never finished. I used to be an adventurer like you. Yeah. And I just, you know, I have fond memories of this this dungeon that's out there. You're like... Go on. I'm going to go finish Bob's dungeon crawl. Yeah. Because it's Bob's. And I'm going to get him that treasure, and I'm going to bring it back for Bob. Right. You can't... You have to curate that. Yeah. Likewise you know
1: it comes back oh did your did your daughter get that uh you know that apprenticeship and is she oh yeah she went to she went to the mage academy she's doing great six adventures later hey guys yeah can i ask a favor i suppose like we've been doing all you've been pouring drinks for us for the last you know two months I haven't heard from my daughter in a few weeks. She usually sends a letter, like and swords are out, exactly. right there, like, right there. Swords are out, Spell books are open. <laughs> uh-huh. like, do, do you want us to just like send us a, a spell to her? Well, she's not allowed to get those yeah. at her school. Like they have a strict rules on them. and I don't want her to get kicked out for like getting message spells in. You know? C- could you go up and take a look? Because I got to run the bar. Yeah, you know, kind
0: of thing. Or he just says, "Can you guys run the bar for me for a couple of nights?" <laughs> Yeah. okay no, no no you run the bar we are the adventurers we will break legs exactly so and that's the thing is that you've got that investment
1: uh-huh. and that's the kind of stuff that you want to have yeah you know yeah. and just as invested as you are against an np you know an npc villain who's you're chasing across the tundra to try and capture mm-hmm. you know who keeps slipping from your grasp Going to be it, just a as different.
0: Invest in these NPCs. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I think that's how you show players how they connect. You're letting them get that connection.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You you forge that connection
1: first. Yep. 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 I think it's. I, I think it's something that takes time. I think it's something that uh, that you have to monitor, and it it does take a certain sense of,
0: you know, uh, of storytelling to see that happen. Yeah. it it does. Alright So uh, next week uh, we It is the second Tuesday of the month So we're doing Another System Spotlight This time on SCP Ooh. The role playing game Secure Contain Protect do, do we have clearance To even be able to we run this? We do not Ooh, we'll uh, I consider D-class personnel I believe Alright You can find us on Twitter At ST underscore Conclave You can find us on Instagram Also at ST underscore Conclave Listen to us live Every Wednesday night At 7pm Eastern time At MixLR.com Slash Storyteller Dash Conclave And join us up On our Discord Shoot us some questions Join the discussion. You can find that link on our Twitter as well as our website, StorytellerConclave.com. We'd like to thank our named Patreon members, especially this week uh, Knox in the Box, Sam, the Arcane
1: Asylum, Spark Emotion Veteran, and Hulavu. We always love the support that you've given us and uh, helped us through everything. Our pre-show music, if you are listening to it before the show, is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcaneanthems. Our intro music, which is Beyond the Warriors, is by Geefrog. You can find that at geekfrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. And our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at freemusicarchive.org.
0: And as always, a big shout-out to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so much for standing with us all this time. All of our friends uh, have sat with us at our tables over the years. We've got these great stories to share with you and you, every single one of our listeners. Thank you. We love you so much. Good night. Love you.
1: Good night.